भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येमाक्षरंगुष्टवागम सस्तनु व्यशेम देवित यदायु स्वस्तिना इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्तिषा विश्वेदा स्वस्तिनस्ताक्ष्यो अरिष्टने स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शाति 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 ओम ओ गाड्स मे वी हियर ऑस्पिशियस वर्ड्स विथ आर इयर्स वाइल एंगेज इन सैक्रिफाइसेस मे वी सी ऑस्पिशियस थिंग्स विद द आईज वाइल प्रेजिंग द गाड्स विथ स्टडी लिम्स मे वी एंजॉय अ लाइफ दैट इज बेनिफिशियल टू द गाड्स मे इंद्रा ऑफ एंशियंट फेम बी ऑस्पिशियस टू अस May the all-knowing Pusha, God of the earth, be propitious to us. May Garuda, the destroyer of evil, be well disposed towards us. May Brihaspati ensure our welfare. Om, peace, peace, peace. So we are studying the Mundaka Upanishad, and now we are moving on to the uh, second chapter. In the Mundaka Upanishad, there are three chapters. Each chapter is called a Mundaka. and uh, we have finished the first chapter each chapter has two sections so we have finished the first chapter the first mundaka with the two sections and then we are now in the second mundaka second chapter uh what's the context here um the student shonaka had asked the teacher angiras sir what is that by knowing which everything can be known and the teacher replied knowledge is of two kinds the higher and the lower the absolute or the supreme and the relative the lower is basically what we all consider knowledge knowing things in the world secular things religious things everything he gives a list of whatever was studied you know in the vedic syllabus in those days everything is the lower knowledge in that case what is this higher knowledge and um, the teacher said parayayata daksharam adhigamyate the higher knowledge is that by which the imperishable is realized imperishable meaning brahman and all that and the its existence consciousness place what's the logic here or what's what's going on here the question was what is that by knowing which everything is known and the underlying logic is that there is one underlying reality in this universe that is the material cause the cause of this universe if we know the cause we know the effect so if you know gold you know all golden ornaments if you know clay you know all um, clay pottery and then immediately you realize what do you mean by know knowledge means what is that thing in reality so what is this bracelet this necklace this earring what is it in reality in reality it's gold but there are differences like um, the forms and the names and the functions they are all different from each other ne necklace and a bracelet and the ring are different from each other in that sense but substantially they are not different it was the same gold which was made into a necklace it is the same gold which was melted down and then made into a ring and then melted down again and literally the same gold is now called a bracelet a new name a new form a new function so name form and function in vedanta is called maya and the reality is brahman now this is a gold and ornaments example the claim in vedanta is that there is an underlying reality to this entire universe not just ornaments and gold this entire universe including ourselves 
there is one underlying reality. And that with various names and forms, our human beings like us, our animals and plants, our um, rocks and rivers and mountains and sky and earth and fire and water, all of that. Also the internal world of our thoughts, our desires, our memories, our uh, ideas, knowledge, ignorance, all of that, there is one underlying reality. That's the claim. Uh, just as you would know every ornament made of gold by knowing gold, you know everything in this universe by knowing this underlying reality. So that's the answer to the question. Now, what is this underlying reality and how do we know it? And we know in Vedanta, the answer will be this underlying reality, Brahman, is you. So you are basically knowing the thing by which I know everything. There the uh, question is, how is everything known if you know one thing? You know, if you think about it, if I know biology, I know this, you know, knowledge about living things but i don't know non-living things if i know um, sanskrit i don't know english so how is it knowledge of one thing will give you knowledge of everything and the, the the logic here is the knowledge of the cause will give you knowledge of all the effects and that to all the effects in the sense what are those effects actually what are the golden ornaments actually they are gold will it somebody might ask will it give you knowledge of the details no. The details you'll have to find out by yourself, you know, by the, the individual um, you know, sources of knowledge, by seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, by reading, by experimentation, by science, by religion, all the details will be found out. But the um, reality of everything is known by, the, uh, by knowing the cause. And that is the higher knowledge. But what is the lower knowledge? The lower knowledge has been explored in the last section which we read. First Mundaka, second section, the lower knowledge has been explored. And remember, this is the Vedic context. We are we're talking about what in the framework of the Vedas. So the lower knowledge in the Vedas is the Karmakanda, the ritualistic portion of the Vedas. In fact, the bulk of Vedic literature, the four Vedas, pertains to various kinds of rituals. It is the religion of do's and don'ts. You lead a pious, ritualistic life and you will get what you want in this life and after this life, uh, so a pleasant life will be assured to you, a balanced, sustained, good life. But there also, it was shown that, uh, we, as we saw in the last section, even if you follow the Vedic ritualistic life, or in general, if you are a good person, um, pious person, then you will have a good life in this world. And after death, you will go to higher worlds. There are different heavens. And there you will have an even better life. But all of that will come to an end. And not only with all of these things are impermanent, they're also dissatisfying. Even after enjoying this world and, you know, knowledge and health and family and, uh, um, you know, youth and education and fame and power and success, even after enjoying all of this, atripti, there is no fulfillment. You know, one say one can say, been there, done that. Yes, been there, done that. So are you fulfilled now? Nothing more you want in life. You're done. Nobody says that. So the heavens, after this also, we will go to heaven. Leading a good life, you go to heaven. Much better pleasures are available there. Much higher pleasures, a much better life. Supposed to be. That's the belief. But even the point is, apply, is also applied to that. Those are also temporary. 
and there is also atripti there the lack of fulfillment and it will all come to an end so the final conclusion was having examined the worlds produced by karma pariksha lokan karma chitan brahmano the spiritual seeker should examine life if you are intelligent is not telling you not to enjoy life go ahead you know education success power health youth money fame achievement all of that go ahead please go ahead but intelligently take a look what did it do for me what has it done for others and is can it be a final end of life final goal of life and we will all come to the conclusion an american say it's a no brainer it's a no brainer you'll come to the conclusion that it is not ultimately fulfilling nasty nastya krita kritena the uncaused cannot be produced by cause krita means doing something producing something the uncaused that which is beyond cause and effect so brahman cannot be attained by yogic by vedic karma kand by by rituals by actions no matter how good no matter how um uh, virtuous you they will because they are limited actions are limited so the good results of good actions are also limited they will last for some time they will give, give you some results but not fulfilling and they will all be over after some time so the uncaused akrita cannot be produced by the by any cause you set in motion uh, so nasti akrita kritena then what will be the result of this analysis nirveda mayat you will attain to dispassion you will no longer your you know you overwhelming you will be overwhelmingly world centric worldly no we will realize that that cannot be the goal of life this temporary evanescent vanishing world cannot be the goal of life is there any other goal higher than this yes so there is this ultimate reality if you realize that you go beyond limitation you go beyond death you go beyond fear you go beyond want it's an amazing thing and how will you get that paravidya this is the original question what is that by knowing which i know everything we can also say what is that by getting which i get everything that is the quest now so this is the background now we are entering into um paravidya the higher knowledge which was the original question of the teacher uh, of the student why all this then unless this is made clear um, we will think the higher knowledge is was just one more kind of knowledge maybe some technique of meditation or maybe some kind of new philosophy i know so many philosophies a better philosophy i know so many techniques of you know meditation and yoga and all here is another better technique no no not like that all of that falls under karma kanda all of that falls under the lower knowledge here is this higher knowledge which will take you to the absolute and it starts here so the teacher starts teaching the higher knowledge verse number 1 second mundaka first section verse 1 2.1.1 tadetat satyam yathasudiptat pavakat visphulinga sahasrasa prabhavante sarupah tathaksharad vivida samya bhava prajayante tatra chaivapiyanti this is the truth here is the truth as from a fire fully ablaze fly off sparks in their thousands that are akin to the fire similarly 
O, uh, o, o dear one, from the imperishable originate different kinds of creatures and into it again they merge. Here is the truth. What do you mean this is the truth? Does it mean what we discussed now, the lower knowledge, it is not the truth? Yes, that's the relative truth. It's not that the Vedic Karmakanda is false. It's not that causality is false in the world. If you if you perform the rituals, will you get the results? Yes, you will. If you work hard, will you get a good life? Yes, you will, more or less. You will, you will. Your karma fella will give results. But that is apekshika. Shankaracharya will explain now. That is relative. It all comes to an end. It's not ultimately true. It's true in the sense a dream is true. Or in the sense, you know, Harry Potter is true or, you know, Sherlock Holmes is true. Within a story, there is a certain truth. But the whole thing is a story. That's the point. Um, and here he says, here is the ultimate truth. What's it like? As from a blazing fire, it starts with a classic example, from a bonfire, from a blazing fire, thousands of sparks emanate. And the sparks have the same nature as the fire. They're also fire. Similarly, from the imperishable akshara, a variety of bhavaha, bhavaha means sentient beings, all of us, we emanate from that. And then, then what? Back into that again? We again disappear back into that? Ashtavakra sings, Mayananta Mahamodav, um, Ascharyam Jeeva Vijaya, Udhyanti Gnanti Khelanti, Pradishanti Swabhavata. Because from me, this infinite ocean of consciousness, these extraordinary, amazing, crazy <laughs> waves come up. What are these waves? Sentient beings. All these thousands of beings. Udhyanti, they, they, they appear. They are born and they grow and develop. Then Gnanti, Khelanti, they, they play with each other. Gnanti, they fight with each other. And then, and then, Pravishanti, they disappear back into me. What an amazing play this is. So he is looking at himself as that one underlying existence consciousness place from which the entirety of this display comes. I remember, why I am smiling is, I remember being taught this verse um, by a teacher in Gangotri. And I still remember he's, he, he was a Punjabi monk, elderly. He was saying like this. To Mahatmaji aise hai. Oh monks, it's like this. Ascharyam jiva vichaya. These extraordinary jivas, the sentient beings. They are born. Khelanti. And he's saying like this. I love you. I love you. And then, um, Gnanti. Fight, fight. I will divorce you. I will divorce you. And then, Pravishanti. And then they die. Disappear back. And so this is samsara. He is saying this. Here also it is said, Ascharyam Jeeva Vijaya, this they are, he's saying here, Bhavaha, Vividha, various kinds, human beings of all kinds, you know, animals, higher and lower, and plants, and tiny creatures and very big creatures, all sentient beings are vast. Notice, he makes no distinction between human beings, that as if we are the only sentient beings or as if we are the only ones with soul. No, all living beings are sentient beings. All beings, living beings have souls, including the tiniest of creatures. So, the point here being, 
they all share just like the spark of the fire has the same nature as the bonfire. Similarly, every sentient beings, no matter what the variety, what kind, what species, how happy, how sad, how developed, how primitive, all beings are pure consciousness, are Brahman, existence consciousness, please. Um, right. Now, Shankaracharya makes some very nice observations, which I will tell you a little bit about. So the Upanishad, the teacher says, Tade Tat Satyam. Shankaracharya says, Aparavidyayaha Sarvam Karya Muktam. The lower knowledge and the effects of lower knowledge have been discussed. Where? In the section just before. What we just did, the section just preceding, the lower knowledge is discussion is over. Now, Sacha Samsaro Yatsaro Yasmat Mula Dakshara Sambhavati Yasmish Chapraliyati Tadaksharam. That akshara, that, imp that imperishable. What is that imperishable? We don't see an imperishable here. You see samsara, this world? Yes. The essence of this world. It's like trying to explain what is gold to somebody seeing golden ornaments and doesn't know what gold is. So what's this gold you're talking about? Do you see the necklace? Yes. Do you see the bracelet? Yes. Do you see the ring? Yes. The reality, that from which these, these ornaments have come, in which they exist, into which they disappear back again, that is gold. He says, Yatsara, what is the very essence of samsara? Your essence, essence of your um, near and dear ones, the essence of your so-called enemies, the essence of the people you are indifferent to, the essence of uh, cats and dogs and plants, essence of stars and essence of dust particles, the essence, Yatsara, Yasmat Mulad, from the source from which they have come. And and into which they will disappear again. When they die, when they are destroyed, when they are buried. Where are they gone? They have gone back to where they had come from. That is called Akshara. He says. Now that Akshara will be taught. What is that Akshara? Shankaracharya says, Purushakyam Satyam. The truth called Purushaha. Which was mentioned in the last verse, which we mantra which we did. What is Purusha? Two meanings. Uh, one is Purnam. That which is the, the, the all-encompassing reality of this universe, by which this universe is packed to the brim. I'm trying to translate from Hindi. Uh, one sadhu, uh, he was teaching, he says, Thazat has Bharpur Mahatmaji. It is, this entire universe is packed with Brahman. There's not even, he says, where will the universe exist? In reality, there is not even a little bit of space for the universe to exist. And he's speaking that way. If you think about it, if your attention is on being, existence itself, where is the universe? You might say, what do you mean? Can't, don't you see the universe? We see it. But does it really exist? It's like saying, if I look at the, the bracelet, uh, you know, the golden bracelet, and once you realize it's gold, now you put your attention on the gold. Now, what you are calling the bracelet, where is that bracelet other than the gold? But it's gold. Whatever you point to is the gold. Where in the gold is the bracelet? Is the bracelet a part of that gold? Is the top part of the gold called bracelet? No. Is it inside the bracelet? No. Is it inside the gold? Is the bracelet inside the gold? No. Is it a part of the gold? No. Is it inside the gold? Is it outside the gold? Is it something apart from the gold? No, not at all. Is it something produced by the gold? Not at all. Actually, if you analyze that way, if your attention is entirely fixed, Shankaracharya will say, if your attention or the enlightened one's attention is entirely fixed on Brahman, 
Therefore, from that perspective, the world appears to be a wonder, a magical display. You will say, no, no, that very thing which you are calling gold is the bracelet. Not really. Because it is gold. It was gold earlier. Why are you calling it a bracelet now? Because it is a particular shape. Yes, but where is the shape? Is there a gold and a shape? No. Is the shape inside the gold? No. Is the shape a part of the gold? You'll say, no. The shape is not part of the gold. Which part of the gold is the shape? Nothing. So you, it's, it's an amazing way of looking at it. Uh, so he says, Yasmin vigyate sarvamidam vigyatam bhavati tat parasya brahma vidyaya vishayaha. That when you realize that, everything becomes known. That was the original question. Realizing which everything becomes known. Similarly, here, the knowledge which will reveal to you that reality, that purusha, by knowing which everything becomes known. So that's why your original question was, teach me, teach me, sir, that by knowing which everything becomes known, that higher knowledge I'm going to teach you. What's that higher knowledge about? It's about Akshara. What is that Akshara? The source of this universe. What is the source of this universe? It's Purusha. What is Purusha? The reality which pervades everything in this universe. That's one meaning. And the other more amazing thing, the second meaning of Purusha is Purishayanath. That which resides, reclines, relaxes on a couch potato. <laughs> Where is the couch on which Purusha is relaxing, reclining? It's you. This body, the embodied being. This being, um, Puri means city. This city uh, says city of nine gates. The city with all these apertures. This physical body in this reclines, relaxes Purusha. Uh, stretches out Purusha. Who is that? It's you. It's you, the consciousness. You are that Purusha which pervades the universe to its last extremities. You are that Purusha which is from which the universe arises, in which it plays around, into which it disappears again. You are that Purusha in that very, seeming, seemingly in that very body and mind. And the higher knowledge, Shankaracharya says, that's the subject. That's what we are going to talk about now. Then Shankaracharya says, So he mentions that point which I mentioned earlier. So all that which was talked about in the Vedas, that if you do this ritual, you will go to heaven. If you do that ritual, you will get children. If you do that ritual, you will get uh, victory and so on and so forth. All those are not true. Because you just said, we are going to talk about the truth. He says, those are true. Apekshikam. They are relative truth. Lower truth. They are the um, lower truth. By the lower truth, you can say. Because they are impermanent. Because they are not satisfying. Because they are ultimately a fiction. Like a story or a movie or a dream. But what are, what are you going to talk about? Idamtu. This subject which you are going to talk about. Idamtu. Paravidya Vishayam, the subject matter of the higher knowledge, Paravidya. Paramartha Satlakshanatvat. This is the higher truth. Why? Because it this um, truth, it has the characteristics of the ultimate reality. What is the characteristic of ultimate reality? Here we'll pause just a little. Gambiranji Maharaj has given 
a very cryptic and but a simple footnote. He says, there is, since it can never be sublated. What is reality? What is reality? Why, why is this question coming up? Because you have just said, Upanishad just says, Tadetat Satyam, this is reality. We must stop and ask, what is reality then? Before we go into what is real and not real, what is true and what is false, we must have a definition of reality. What is the, why, what uh, criteria do you decide reality? If, if someone says, I see it, therefore it's real. But that's not true. You can see a snake in a rope, it's not real. You can see parallel lines meeting, meeting in the distance, that's not real. You can see blue color in the sky, but there is no blue color in the sky. We see so many things which are not real. Seeing something is not a criterion of reality. Then what is the criterion of reality? So this was a big, this is a big subject in philosophy. And in ancient Indian philosophy also, this was a big subject. Now, what is uh, reality? Different criteria were evolved by different schools of philosophy. Let me give you two criteria and contrast them, the Vedantic and the Buddhistic criteria, and then we will move ahead. You'll get an idea of what is meant by truth. What does Shankaracharya mean? Uh, higher knowledge shares the characteristic of ultimate truth. So what is ultimate truth? What is the criteria? The Buddhists say, kriyakaritvam satyatvam. Practical efficacy is reality. I'll repeat, practical efficacy is reality. What does that mean? Something is real if it works the way it is expected to work. If it gives results the way it is expected to give results. For example, so you see water and you go near that water and drink it. What would you expect? My thirst will be quenched. It will be wet to the touch. My thirst will be quenched. It will behave like water. Practical efficacy. The, the object should behave the way it is supposed to behave. If you go near that water and suddenly realize it's not there, just sand in the desert, and you say that it's not water, it was not real, just looked like water, but it's what is called a mirage. So the Buddhist will say, why is the mirage, why is the mirage water false? Because it did not quench your uh, thirst. It did not quench your thirst. It, it is not wet to the touch. None of the practical, none of the characteristics of water were present in that mirage water, except that it looked like water. So, are you with me so far? That um, the Buddhist criterion is practical efficacy. If it works, then it is real. Artha kriya karitum. It should have. It should give rise to the effects which are expected from it. Water will quench my thirst. Mirage water does not quench my thirst. Therefore, the Buddhist says it is false. Real water will quench my. I'll drink it and I will feel that my thirst has been quenched. Um, by the way, this the Buddhist said more than 2,000 years ago. It was rediscovered, like many such things are, in uh, modern Western thought. In America, the quintessential, quintessential school of American philosophy, uh, which is uh, pragmatism. You know, William James, Dewey, uh, Charles Pierce, these were the great American philosophers. 19th century, they developed this uh, 19th and 20th century, they developed this philosophy of pragmatism. And what is this American philosophy of pragmatism? If it works, it's real. If it works, it's real. <laughs> it's literally the same thing which the Buddhist monks uh, developed 2,000 years ago in India. Anyway, moving on. So that's the Buddhist theory of 
reality. If it works, it's real. Now, the Vedantins come in and they say, nope, that's not a good criterion. Why not? Suppose you go and drink water and your thirst is quenched. Would you say the water is real? The Buddhist says, yes, the water is real in that case. The Vedantist says, the next moment, suppose you wake up and you realize it was all a dream. In my dream, I was drinking water. And now I realize it was all a dream. Would you still call that water? Did you? Will you still claim, I? it may be a dream, but I drank water and my thirst was quenched. So therefore, my criterion is, if it works, it is real. So the water I drank in that um, dream was real. No. The doctors who keep insisting that you should drink more water, drink more water, they will not be impressed if you tell them, I drank a lot of water in my dreams. No. You have to drink your water in your waking state, not in your dream. Because that is not real water. It cannot be counted. So then what is the criterion? Practical efficacy cannot be the criterion. You drank water in your dreams and uh, your thirst was quenched and yet it is not real. You are now admitting. It could be a fa false thing. It could be a dream. It could be fiction. Then the Buddhist will say, all right, wise guy, what's your criterion of reality? What is the Advaitic criterion? Tell me a criterion of reality. The Advaitic criterion of uh, Reality is abhaditattvam satyatvam. That atrikal abhaditattvam, which cannot be sublated in the three periods of time. That which cannot ever be sublated. That's what Gambiranji has just pointed. All of this is packed into those three words which Gambiranji has written down in the footnote. That which cannot be sublated is real. What is sublation? Sublation is correction of error. Sublation is S-U-B-L-A-T-I-O-N. Uh, is equal to correction of error. What do you mean correction of error? You see a snake and then you suddenly examine it and closely and realize it's not a real snake, it's a rope. So it's corrected. You see water, and you examine it, it turns out to be mirage. Oh, it's not real water. Um, then it's sublated. Sublated means an error has been corrected. It was not so. Shankaracharya says, Atasmin tad buddhi. What is not there, I am seeing there. I suddenly realized it was not so. What I thought was not so. Now it, I know the truth. That is correction. An earlier knowledge is cancelled, shown to be ignorance, and now new knowledge comes that this is the truth. It is not Y, but it is X, like that. This is the criterion of truth. What is the criterion? Something that can never be cancelled. That alone is the truth. Something about which you will never ever get a knowledge. Oh, this is not true. I will, uh, I have now know the truth. I thought it is X. Now I know it is not X. That will never happen. What is the only thing for which it can never happen? For the only thing which can never be corrected. The only thing that can never be negated. Never be cancelled. What's the only thing? You ask, yes. You as consciousness, not as body. Body can be negated. It might be dreaming. One day the body will die. One day the body, you will get the feeling one day that I am not this body, out of body experience or something. Or this body is an appearance. Something. But the only thing that cannot be negated is you the consciousness. You the awareness. Think about it. Is it possible to negate, cancel, sublate, correct that there is awareness? Correction of awareness would be, no, there is no such thing as awareness. I now I realized, I thought earlier there was awareness, consciousness. I existed. Now I realize 
There is no such thing as awareness, consciousness. I do not exist. I have now realized. On the face of it, this is ridiculous. Look at the statement. I thought it was a snake. Now I realize it was not a snake. It is a rope. Perfectly all right. But put it in this way. I thought I existed. Now I realize I don't exist. Ridiculous. Who is saying I don't exist? You. You do exist. In order to cancel yourself, you have to exist. In order to cancel consciousness, you have to be this conscious entity. How else will you cancel it? So that is by logic. It is virtually impossible. You see, there's a trick there. This very process of cancellation, bada, bada means cancellation or sublation. It includes consciousness. It is based on consciousness, so it cannot be cancelled. Anyway, that's the criterion. Now what is now we will understand what is being said here. Shankaracharya is saying, this knowledge is that which cannot be cancelled. So he has said a very important thing about the higher knowledge. I am Brahman. This can never be cancelled. Don't misunderstand this. Don't say that. I, but I don't know. The I am Brahman is not true for me because it's cancelled for me because I don't know that I am Brahman. We don't know. We are in ignorance. Once you realize I am Brahman, you will realize that the, what is being pointed towards can never be cancelled. I, the consciousness, can never be cancelled. Therefore, this knowledge will never be wrong. The object of that knowledge or the subject of that knowledge can never be cancelled. And therefore, this knowledge also can never be cancelled. Once you realize you are Brahman, you will never ever lose it. You will never ever come to a point where you will now not realize your Brahman. That will never happen. These things, these sentences are basically the heart of Advaita Vedanta. He says, the, what is revealed by true knowledge, the higher knowledge, is reality. And therefore, it follows what was revealed by the lower knowledge, Anritam, is an appearance, is false. What is he saying here? Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya. What was the object of the lower knowledge? This world, samsara, next world, heaven. All of that, these are objects of ignorance. Because they can be cancelled. One day you will get a realization, the world is an appearance. Brahman, my real nature, I am the reality. Which is appearing as the world. Then, um, why is this example given? Shankaracharya says, that which is, he says, atyanta, atyanta parokshatvat. Because this is, this reality we are talking about is entirely beyond the range of our senses. What is within the range of our senses? What I can see, this is called pratyaksha. What is presented to my eyes? What I can hear, what I can smell, what I can taste, touch. This is within the range of my senses. But that which is beyond the range of my senses, does heaven exist? Uh, does Atlantis exist? Things which are far away. They are called paroksha, beyond the range of our senses. But they can be they can be revealed by other sources of knowledge. Books can tell me, scientific investigations can reveal, uh, religious books can tell me ab about the existence of heaven. Whether you believe it or not, that's a secondary thing. But they reveal to you that which is beyond the range of our senses. But this one is even beyond that. Nothing, neither senses can reveal Brahman, nor mind can reveal Brahman. 
Rather, senses and mind are revealed by Brahman. You, the consciousness, you shining, your mind is revealed. What is mind? Mind is nothing but the contents which appear in consciousness. That's all. And further, the senses and the objects, eyes and forms, ears and sound and so on. And the whole thing is revealed by consciousness. They cannot reveal consciousness. You can't see consciousness, hear consciousness, smell, taste, touch consciousness. You cannot think about consciousness. Swami, aren't we just now thinking about consciousness? You are trying to. But what this trial also, this trying which we are doing, this is also being continuously revealed by consciousness. Only you can be consciousness, which you are, which we all are. That's what Vedanta is trying to point out. In order to make it easier, Shankaracharya says, these examples are given. Which example? The example of fire and sparks. Fire and sparks. Here, the Vishishtadvaitin will become very happy. See, one fire, big. Sparks are tiny parts. Similarly, Vishnu is big. And we are all tiny parts of Vishnu. We are emanations from Vishnu, Narayana. We are tiny sentient beings. Part and whole. Sesha Sheshi. But Shankaracharya uh, does not support that. He says the point is not part and whole. Not big and small. He says Sarupa. He says, look at the, the uh, word in the Upanishad itself. Of the same nature. What is of the same nature? Brahman is pure consciousness. And all sentient beings like us who have emerged from Brahman, we are pure consciousness. That's all. Not part and whole, big fire, small spark, not like that. Not one fire and thousands of sparks, not like that. Shankaracharya concentrates on the essential nature of fire, which is pure and the essential nature of the sparks. Similarly, the essential nature of reality is pure consciousness and the essential nature of all sentient beings emerging from the reality is pure consciousness. That's all. Then he gives, Shankaracharya himself gives another example. Akashadiva ghatadi parichinnaha sushira bheda ghatadi upadi prabhedam anubhavanti Evam, he says, just as space, vast, all-pervading space. Now you make pots, jars, pots, um, cups, uh, rooms, buildings, stadia, stadium. And you see how the space seems to be divided. Here is a little space in this cup. Here is a bigger space in this pot, a bigger space in this jar, a bigger space in this room, and a separate space in that room, and a separate space in that building, and so on. And countries make divisions. My airspace, my territory. So, dividing space. And yet, we all know, has space been divided actually? No. It is one space. It seems to be divided. Consider this. People get confused here. Consider this. A one liter bottle um, bottle of water. Now, if you have, the bottle is empty, um, uh, suppose the, there's a bottle, a one liter bottle of water. It has a certain space within it. Now, when you move the bottle around, does the space move around with it? The space within the bottle, does it move around with it? No. It seems to. If you move, there's water in the bottle. If you move the bottle around, does the water move with the bottle? Yes. Otherwise, you'll make a big mess if you would move the bottle. <laughs> the water stays where it was. No. So, the contents of the bottle move with the bottle. But space does not move with the bottle. 
even the so-called space within the bottle. It is not true. It is bottle moving through space. Similarly, our rooms, we think this is a fixed space. I am in this room. No, I am in this room. No doubt about it. This body is in this room. The furniture in this room. Even the air to some extent in this room, though it is permeable. But the space is not in this room. The space of this room, actually the room is in that space. It is moving as the earth rotates. The, this room is moving at high speed. As the earth rushes, revolves around the sun, this room is rushing through space in high speed. The space is not moving along with the earth nor with this room. Similarly, you are this limitless consciousness and these bodies are like these little pots and cups and all. You are not limited by these bodies. These bodies appear and we seem to be in the body. I am going from this room to that room. I am going from this country to that country. I am moving. No. You are still. And the body is moving around in you. It's because our viewpoint is this body perspective is there. Therefore, we feel I am in here. You are not in the body. The body is in you. You are not in Vedanta society. Vedanta society is in you. You are not in Manhattan or New York. New York is in you. The United States is in you. The world and the universe is in you. Just as um, space is not in the bottles and cups and jars. All of them are in space. That is Shankaracharya's example. Just as whatever you, when you, when you are in your dream, you are walking around talking with people, um, you know, there's a city around you, gardens around you, space, um, sky and earth. You seem to be in that. But what is the truth? When we wake up, we realize all of that was in us. The city was in us, the sky was in us, the earth was in us, in the dream. Exactly like that. The Upanishad claims, right now that's a fact. This is all in you, the consciousness, right now. So just as all these little spaces they seem to be separate, but they are not. They are only separate because of these bottles and cups and jars, which are called upadhis. Evam, in the same way. It's not about cups and bottles and jars. It's about, or space. It's about nana nama rupa krita deha upadhi prabhavam prabhavam anuprajayante tatra chaiva tasminneva akshare api yanti deha upadhi bilayam Anuliyante, ghatadi bilayam anuiva sushira bhedaha. Just as when the pots are broken, it seems that the pot space merged into the greater space. There's a little space in the pot. I broke the pot. Now the pot space merged in the greater space. Did it really merge? Not really. It's always one. Our conception of, you know, that there was a space enclosed in by that pot, and now there is no space enclosed by the pot when the pot is broken. Similarly, it seems that I am one being because of this body, because of the presence of this body. And you are another being because of the presence of that body. And not just body, mind, thoughts, ideas, emotions. We feel I am here, you are other than me. This disappears when the body disappears, this distinction. But what Shankaracharya is trying to say and Upanishad is trying to say is that even when the body doesn't disappear, it's still the same. We are, we are all one consciousness. That is the akshara. So, what is the final meaning of this? 
similarly from this one limitless consciousness emerge quote unquote emerge all sentient beings why not emerge? really emerge because just as if you make lots of pots you not you have not created lots of little spaces you only seem to have created lots of little spaces prajayante tatrajeva apiyanti and they are not only emerge they also dissolve back into it they die and go back to that uh, imperishable Again, they seem to die and go back to that imperishable. Just like when you break the pots, it seems that the little space enclosed in the pots has merged with the vast sky, vast space. But only seems because at no point they were actually separate. Similarly, you are never actually separate from Brahman. Even when this body appears, the mind appears, we are all that one background consciousness we are. Next, goes on talking about that ultimate reality. Divyo Yamutta Purushaha Sabhayabhyantaro Yajaha Aprano Yamana Shubro Yaksharat Parata Paraha. Translation This Purusha is luminous or transcendental. It is formless. And since it is coextensive with all that is external and internal, and since it is birthless, I mean, technically Purusha is male, so it's he. But I'm saying it. It is birthless, therefore it is without vital forces and without mind. It is pure and superior to the other superior imperishable maya. You should put in you or I. I, the Purusha, am transcendental and self-luminous. I am formless. No. Therefore you can't be the body. Body has form. So you can't be the body. You're formless. You, I am coextensive with all the external universe and the internal universe. I am birthless and therefore I am without prana and without mind. I am pure and beyond maya. This is the meaning of this uh, mantra. Let's, let's look at it closely. Divya, literally it means shining. Shankaracharya says, Dyotanavan, shining. Swayam Jyotihi, self-luminous. So what is self-luminous? Um, my own knowledge of myself. I know I am. But let's think of, how do I know that I am? See, whenever I know something, I know it by, by a certain means. You can, it can be always a, a logical question to ask, how do you know this? I know there is a book in front of me. You can ask, how do you know that? I, I'll say, because I see it. And that answer satisfies you. What happened? I am the knower. And I claim that I've known an object of knowledge, book. And I've deployed the instruments of knowledge, eyes. So I, the knower, with the instrument of knowledge called the eyes, have known this. Um, entity called the book, the knowable entity. So three things are involved here. Knower, instrument of knowledge, 
a knowable object. In Sanskrit, pramata, I am the pramata, the conscious entity. Prame, pramana, source of knowledge, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, skin. Also, inference, scientific inference. Also, authority, all the multiple sources of knowledge, multiple sources of knowledge. And by this, what do we know? We know, we know knowable things. Knowable things in Sanskrit, prameya. So three things, pramata, pramana, prameya. Pramata, pramana, prameya. Knower, instrument of knowledge, knowable object. This is how knowledge works. In Sanskrit, this is called triputi, the triple foundation of knowledge. Why am I saying all this? This is how we know anything. And therefore, this is the whole field called epistemology, study of knowledge. Therefore, when you're doing philosophy like this, you can't just make any claims. I uh, I know that they, uh, you know, uh, make some wild claim, uh, any, any wild claim. So nowadays you will have fact-checking, fact-checking. So what does fact-checking do? It checks whether your claim is epistemologically justified. Is it justified? Knower, who is the knower? What is? How did you know? And what did you know? These three things have to be checked. Now, all very good. But my knowledge of myself, I know I exist. And I seem to know it. How? How? Do I say I see myself? You know, in a gathering, a classic example, in this gathering, in a Zoom class, we are there. If I'm asked if such and such person is there or not, I will take a look and say, yes, he is there or she is there. But if I'm asked, are you here? I will not take a look and say, um, yes, I am here. I don't do that. If people have come to the class and they've signed their names, uh, was such and such person there in, in that class? And we took a look, look, at, look at the register and we say, yes, that person was there. Yes, that person was not there. Were you there in the class? I don't took a, take a look at the register and say, let me see. Yes, my name is there. So I must have been there in the class. I don't say that. I know directly about my own presence. How Then how do you know? You don't know by senses. You don't know by written record. How do you know that you are here? How do you know that you exist? Now, if it is by the usual method of triputi, knower, knower organ of knowledge, and uh, object of knowledge, then it will not work. See, if I know my own existence by knower, instrument of knowledge, and object of knowledge. What is the object of knowledge? I. Who is the knower? I. Then there has to be a separate I which knows this I. And there has to be some instrument of knowledge. But that separate I, the second self, which will know this first self, that has to be known also. For that you will have a third self, another knower, which will know that, that knower. And then that one also has to be known. In this way you will go back to what is called regresses ad infinitum. An infinite regress, which is a fault in philosophy. In Sanskrit, it is called anavastha dosha. One pramata one, knower one, will have to be known by pramata two, knower two. That will have to be known by pramata three, using some method of knowledge. So that is ruled out. That cannot be. It's, it's lo uh, logically indefensible. In that case, if you are not knowing by the method of knower, instrument of knowledge, and knowable object, then the only option is, and clearly I do know my, my own existence, it must be a self-revealed existence. Self-revealed existence. This is called Swaprakasha. 
Ashankaracharya calls it here Swayam Jyotihi. By what light do you know your own existence? By your own light. Your own light is you, the consciousness. Uh, by awareness of awareness. This is called Divyaha. Yamurtaha. It is formless. Notice, the world has form. Form does not mean only what you see. Shapes and colors, certainly that is form. But also, sound and taste and touch and smell, they also have certain kind of forms. They have distinctive features, each one. And then ideas, memories, they all have configurations. But you, the consciousness, you are formless. What form do you have? So all forms are revealed to you, but you are, by yourself are formless. Purushaha, the same word which we have seen earlier. You, that consciousness in this body-mind system, which seems to illumine this body-mind system, is the same consciousness which is Purnam, which fills the entire universe, which is coextensive with the entire universe. Therefore, it is coextensive with everything internal. Every thought, feeling, emotion, idea, desire is illumined, appears in that consciousness which you are. And the absence of all thoughts, feelings, desires, ideas, memories, called deep sleep, that also appears in that consciousness which you are. And the external world also is grounded in that consciousness. It derives its existence from that consciousness. That consciousness is not only chit, it's also sat, being, pure being. Sabbahyabhyantar, it is internal and external. That means internal and external universes appear in it. Yajaha, it is unborn. It is not created. It is not caused by anything. The entire universe appears because of Brahman. But Brahman does not appear because of anything else. It is unborn, uncaused. It's beyond causality. And if it is unborn, in that case, all other modifications are denied of it. Shankaracharya says, Ajo na jayate kutashchit. It is not born any, from anything. Therefore, Sarva bhava vikaranam janimulatvat. Shankaracharya says, since all modifications in life, everything in samsara, starts with origination, birth, creation, production. What are the changes? Growth, development, aging, um, you know, deterioration, disease, death, or any material thing, production, then wear and tear. We say, what is it called? Depreciation. <laughs> Depreciation. And then destruction. All of that starts with what? Origination. Birth. So the Buddhists have a typically um, you know, pessimistic attitude of this. They will say, so birth, every birthday, so therefore you are one, one year closer to the end. Congratulations. Birth is the start of death. Birth is the production. Arising is the start of cessation. Because you're, it's a continuous process of going towards destruction. Um, so he says, Jani because all changes, all such, you know, growth, aging, disease, death, all of them origin in birth. If it does not have birth, it is free of old age, disease, death, consciousness. You, Brahman, you are ajaha, unborn. So you are free of old age, disease, death also. Simple, direct um, claim here. For his ajaha, since you are uncaused, unborn. And therefore, he says, ataha. Therefore, 
अजारा बियॉन्ड ओल्ड एज ओल्ड एज रिंकल्स डिजास्टर व्हाट्स हैपनिंग टू मी नो यू हैव नो रिंकल्स कॉन्शियसनेस डज नॉट हैव एनी रिंकल्स मॉडर्न फिजिक्स इज सेइंग दैट इवन स्पेस हैज रिंकल्स रिंकल इन स्पेस टाइम से स्पेस एंड टाइम हैव रिंकल्स बट यू द कॉन्शियसनेस बियॉन्ड स्पेस टाइम बियॉन्ड माया यू हैव नो रिंकल्स अमृता अतो अमृता देयरफॉर यू आर इमॉर्टल नॉट बोर्न यू विल नेवर डाई akshara imperishable dhruvam your unshakable reality of this universe uh, abhayam you are beyond fear so what is the upshot of all this right now you are beyond fear do not be afraid of anything in life and death neither life nor death uh, it can it's nothing to you these are appearances on the screen of the movie which you are these are dreams which appear to the um, like the dreaming mind similarly to consciousness dream called life appears and the dream called death appears you are free of both hmm. all right um beyond and it does not have aprano yamana shubhra uh, so brahman is the cause of this universe so does it have a body and a prana and a mind to create this universe no brahman with the power called maya is enough to project this universe aprana without prana hiyamana uh, without mind shubhra pure as it applies to us shining in this body and mind it shows us that we are beyond the physical body because unborn body is born so if i am unborn i cannot be the body body is definitely born aprana i am not even the prana amana i am not even the mind i am beyond the mind mind includes senses and intellect also prana mind includes senses and intellect so beyond the body beyond the uh, prana beyond the mind beyond the intellect pancha kosha vilakshana beyond the five koshas shubhra pure free of ignorance you can interpret in this way shankaracharya has not done that but you can interpret in this way hyaja means unborn means you are not the annamaya kosha the physical uh, the food sheath which is born which will die aprana you are not the pranamaya kosha the vital sheath amana you are not the Uh, mind sheet manomaya kosha um that includes intellect also vigyanamaya kosha shubhra pure you are free of ignorance the ignorance is uh, anandamaya kosha so pancha kosha vilakshana atma the atma you the reality the purusha is beyond the five sheets i am giving it this interpretation but it's cl- clearly implied by the mantra then he says something enigmatic he aksharat paratah para that which is the superior akshara the imperishable it is beyond that akshara also now this is something that is sometimes confusing in the upanishads the same word will be used in different senses all along we were using the word akshara to akshara imperishable to denote the ultimate reality now he is using akshara to denote in this mantra he is using akshara to denote maya and brahman is beyond maya so that which is superior to this entire world what is superior to the entire world the source of this world what is the source of this world maya and you are superior to that maya also aksharat from maya aksharat paratah that which is beyond maya that which is beyond the akshara called maya that akshara the ultimate akshara is uh, is you your reality 
Brahman is beyond Maya. Basically, that's all it says. Shankaracharya gives a detailed explanation there. So, he, this is it. A very succinct but heavy-duty statement of uh, the ultimate reality. Paravidya. The, the knowledge which reveals the ultimate reality as you are Brahman and what is the nature of that ultimate reality. We also had a consideration of the lower truth, why it is limited, why it is lower. We also had a consideration of what do you mean by truth then? Why lower truth? Why higher truth? What is the criterion of truth? What do you mean? Define truth. So we got that definition. Trikalavadhyatvam satyatvam. That which can never be cancelled, never be sublated in all the three periods of time. Uh, that is reality. And what is that? It is consciousness. It is you yourself. Then we had how this consciousness, like from fire, uh, all beings emerge from that consciousness. That same consciousness appears to emerge as all beings, like as if different spaces are being created by making pots and cups. Um, and they seem to merge back into Brahman. Actually, they neither emerge nor are they merging back. And that is said in the next mantra, Ajaha, you're unborn, really speaking. You're self-luminous. You're not... You do not know yourself by Triputi, knower, instrument of knowledge, knowable, not by the usual epistemology. Um, you are beyond the five sheets, or Brahman is beyond um, you know, physical manifestation, pranic manifestation, mental manifestation. And finally, Brahman is beyond Maya also. This is what has been stated so far. Good. Let me take a couple of questions. Piram says, go ahead and enjoy life success, but intelligently, do you mean doing work as worship? No, that's already spiritual practice. That is, this is not work as worship. Work to get things in the world with desire. Satama karma. That is the guiding motive of the lower knowledge. The ritualistic part where you want, you really want things in this world and you really want things in heaven. And that's the goal of your life. Or to put it more precisely, dharmartha karma is the goal of life. When you think like that, that is worldliness and otherworldliness. That is the lower knowledge. Now we are being asked to go to the higher knowledge. Don't be, don't be fixated on the things, the limited things that we can get in the world. Is the word Purisha um, etymologically it is derived from Puri? Purishayanatiti Purusha. iPhone 8 has said that reality is something that is permanent. Um Yes, permanent in what sense? That it can never be cancelled in all three periods of time. You might ask, so is there any other sense? Yes, suppose something permanently appears. It's false, but it appears permanently. Suppose like a movie show. It is repeated. There's morning show, afternoon show, evening show, night show. And it's coming again and again. But all the time it's, it's a movie. So in the Advaitic criterion, it is continuously cancelled. It is, it is known to be a fiction, a movie. That is the characteristic of its falsity. Not that it is always there. Something can be always there after being cancelled also. You cancel the blue color in the sky after reading physics, that you realize that the sky is not actually blue. After that, it still appears. As long as these conditions are met, um, the sky will be permanently blue for you. <laughs> Why this is important distinction is there because Maya is actually eternal. Ishwara is eternal. But Maya is badita, is sublated. It's not a second reality apart from Brahman. 
Then Kiran says, Akrita cannot be attained by Krita. It follows that the truth can be attained by non-action, action done with Akritatva Bhava. Akatritva Bhava. Mm, yes, that is actually the deep inner, I would say, DNA of Karma Yoga. To attain that Akatritva Bhava. Priya says, I think space in the bottle moves along with the bottle. Does it? For example, if we imagine putting an insect in the closed bottle, it cannot stay in the bottle if the space did not move. Really? I uh, expect you to think through it a little more. Yeah, it's an illusion. People think like that. You'll be surprised how many people think like that. When you move the bottle, insect is there. Insect is moving along with it. You think that is the space is also moving along with the bottle? No. <laughs> the bottle is moving through space. Okay. That's the beautiful illusion. And remember, it's not a question of bottle and pot and space also. It's a question of pure consciousness and everything that is appearing in pure consciousness. Then iPhone 8 says, can you explain Chidjada Granthi in the perspective of the body in is in consciousness. Yes, body is in consciousness, but we do not know it. And then we get identified with the body and the ego. And consciousness, you the consciousness, seems to be identified with the ego. That's the Chinchara Granthi. That the, the, the knot which ties you to the ego. And this knot, what is it made of? It's just made of ignorance, not knowing, that's all. There's not actually a physical connection or some kind of mental connection, nothing. Peter says, is the physical body existence with a form? Yes, physical body has a form. Then the body as existence appears to space or existence and therefore when the body expires, existence still remains and is, is all there is and who we are. Is this a correct way of seeing it? Yes, it is. You're right. It is, it is, this is the correct way of seeing it. And in fact, this is exactly what Shankaracharya says. There's a verse in um, in the uh, Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, 16th verse. Chapter 2, 16th verse, which says, the non-existent never comes into being. That which truly exists never goes out of being. So there Shankaracharya gives page after page an extensive uh, analysis of what is existence. There he uh, gives this kind of analysis, what you have given here. It's worth reading. That, that verse, 2.16 in the Bhagavad Gita, one monk said, Mahatma ji, yeto Gita, Bhagavad Gita ki darshanik ridai hai. It's the philosophical heart, philosophical heart of the whole Bhagavad Gita, 2.16. Of course, from the Advaitic perspective, non-dual perspective. Sri Ram says, Swamiji is Jiva Shrishti. My world is in me, same as Ishwar Shrishti. All beings are in Ishwara. No, that's why we have different names. Krishan Roy says, when Shankaracharya says, whoever denies consciousness is the consciousness of the very person. The logic assumes that to affirm and deny something, we need consciousness. Buddhists do not agree with that. They do not agree with the existence of Atman to begin with. So I wonder there's a, whether a Buddhist wouldn't agree with Shankara's logic. Um, they would not, but they don't have any good answer to it. I haven't still seen a good answer to this question. That See, this whole question of sublation, correction, this is a peculiarly Advaitic idea, uh, which I don't know what the Buddhist response to that would be. 
Michael Bird says, are you familiar with the teachings of pre-Socratic philosopher Parmenides? He has a strikingly similar theory of reality that seemed seemingly multiplicity of existing things, including their forms and motion, are but an appearance of a single, immovable, formless, eternal reality being. I'm completely fascinated that his philosophy is so aligned with Advaita Vedanta. Yes. And it's amazing that you should mention it because right now I'm reading Parmenides and uh, there's an excellent book. It's called Reality. And it's by, let me just quickly check. I just recently acquired that book, Reality. This is by Peter Kingsley. It's an amazing book. It's recommended by Bernardo Kastrup. And he says that the these are at the root of the Western philosophy of non-duality. And these were often not understood or interpreted in various ways. This, these original teachings of Parmenides were lost or they were covered over by, um, uh, by inaccurate interpretations and translations later on. But this Peter Kingsley's uh, idea is that if you look at the original, it's, it's very Advaitic. It's, it's very non-dualistic. Bhargava Tejas says, while searching for the self during self-inquiry, I don't find the self. It's like dog chasing its own tail. But when I stop, I know I'm there. When you don't find the self, at that time also you know that you are there. Because after all, who or what is trying to find, find the self? You cannot find the self as an object. That's absolutely true. Because why not? What you said here, the philosopher Hume said, the so-called self, when I search for it, I find a, a train of uh, thoughts, sense impressions, ideas, memories, but I do not find anything corresponding to this idea of self. What is the self? I don't find anything. Because he's trying to find it exactly like that, objectively. Thought is an object to consciousness. Um, feelings and emotions are objects to consciousness. Even the ego is an object to consciousness. But consciousness itself is not an object. So if you're looking as, for an object, you'll never find it. Vidyaranya Swami in Panchadashi says, you will never find the self not because it does not exist, but because it's not an object. It is that to which all objects appear. Why is Maya called imperishable? Maya is perishable, right? No. Maya is imperishable, Akshar, in the sense that it is permanent. It's always there. Eternal. When the universe exists, it has come from Maya. When the universe dissolves, it goes back into Maya. When there's no universe, Ishwara, pure consciousness plus Maya exists. However, what Advaita says is, though Maya is always there, it's not really an existence by itself. It's like the blue color in the sky. It's, a, it's an eternal appearance, but it's always sublated. So time itself is sublated. Space itself is sublated. In that sense, Maya is imperishable, but sublated, that it is not uh, ultimately not there. Ultimately, the only reality is Brahman. So it's like the blue color in the sky. As long as the mirage in the desert, as long as these conditions are there, even after you realize the sky is not really blue, it will still be blue. It will still appear to be blue forever. Without actually being blue. Anuradha says, is Akshara and Kshara, Maya and Brahman. Akshara, uh, Kshara is these physical bodies which are destructible. Kshara means destructible. This entire universe. Beyond that is Maya. Some One way of referring to Maya is Akshara. Another way is Abhyakta. And many ways are there. 
And in this particular mantra, the Upanishad says, Aksharat Paratah Para. Brahman is beyond this Akshara also. So sometimes word Akshara is used for Brahman. Sometimes the word Akshara is, if you use it um, for Maya, then you have to say Aksharat Paratah Para. Beyond Akshara, a superior Akshara. Aditya Mahadevan says, We say body is in consciousness. When I close my eyes to observe and inquire, I feel like I'm an observer inside this body, specifically somewhere beyond the, behind my eyes. Is that just the mind or the ego? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's the mind or the ego. And it's very natural we feel this, that I am centered in this body. All the senses, not only body, in the head, as you said, somewhere behind the eyes, is very natural. The head, there are eyes here, the, uh, the nose and the ears and the tongue, so much and sensitive skin in the face. So much of our sensory input is from this um, this portion of the body. So we very naturally feel we are located somewhere here. But only one little bit of analysis will show this is wrong. I am located somewhere here. Do you feel it? Yes. To what is this feeling coming? You say, I am here. From here I know everything. I am an observer. I know everything. This is the feeling we get. But this feeling itself is appearing to you. Who is that you to whom this feeling is appearing? You will never be able to objectify it. That's appointed to the real self. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ramakrishna Rupanamastu